This is Swampside Chats, a podcast where every week communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. Ho, ho, ho! This week is a very special holiday look back where we sum up the catastrophic season of doom that has been the year 2017. I'm Jake. I'm with Communist League Tampa, and joining me tonight is Lexi. Lexi of Emancipation, smoking my last medical joint before legalization. And Rosa. Um, Rosa from Emancipation, sitting in the darkness of my room, contemplating my existence on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, we are recording this on Christmas Eve. Um, I thought we could just do kind of like a brief reflection on the year that's passing and... You know, to a certain extent, the um, current events that have been going on. Um, Because I've been getting, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's, like, just the end of the year or if it's just this year in general, but I've been getting, like, these really, like, strong doom vibes lately. You too. Like, you look at, like, um, some of the footage that you see of, like, the California wildfires, and it looks, again, it's it's like the second big thing this year that looks like a Roland Emmerich film. Yeah. Because really before, looks, it really looks like hell, like the depictions of hell you would see in like medieval art. Yeah, it looks like because you know in Florida we had the whole like triple hurricanes at once from like the opening of, you know today after tomorrow, but the fires looked like something out of like 2012, uh, the Roland Emmerich film, and because uh, like I've driven I've driven on like that that highway like in los angeles and yeah. it look it looks like hellscape-ish like blade runner enough like without the fires <laughs> but like throw the fires on top of that and like you got some next level shit <laughs> yeah and it's just it's like completely it's like completely out of control and like we all know why this kind of is happening but the fact that like people well, you know it's everything's just kind of going keeps humming along like in the face of like this apocalyptic looking shit um yeah my, my relatives that live like around the area where the wildfires break out what their concern is how you know people that have property there you know they'll probably just rebuild it they'll probably just build it again and there, there's like a truncated kind of critique of uh the uh the irrationality of of doing what we're doing but it's always placed on some individual shoulders it's never uh i don't often see it translated into my god what a society is this will will any of us take responsibility for this are we capable of doing such a thing well the people they have fighting the fires too are prisoners mm. <laughs> like they're literally using they're literally using like slave labor this and that I believe they're being paid in like um single digit amounts like per hour basically go like f- go fight like this raging inferno for from hell yeah it's truly which just adds to like the dystopian element of it um right like yeah I, I barely even want to say dystopian because dystopias are books you know what I mean like this is the real deal and like throw this on top of the other thing that's like sketching me out and like the doom scenario it feels like we're living in is like the whole bitcoin thing where like for a while everyone was like bitcoin's legit again and you know it's it's just this it's this thing that's just filled with like massive speculation and rent seeking and just all kind of, it's and it's mainly being used by like three types of people internet nazis child pornographers and uh what drug dealers basically like those are the people. best kind of people <laughs> i mean you could, say, yeah. you could just say it, libertarians you know <laughs> libertarian yeah libertarian yeah, it, it, well it literally basically is a libertarian project but they think somehow this is going to like emancipate people in some way but really it's just like sucking up like the same amount of electricity as ireland and i think in a few years <laughs> 
at the, because in order to mine Bitcoin, you basically have to run these computations, and the computations get exponentially more complicated to keep the currency um, down. And then, so I think eventually, like the amount of electricity will be equivalent to like the world, like within a fairly, <laughs> a fairly like reasonable time frame. So I, I don't understand how anybody can possibly think that's sustainable. But you know, then again, people make the same arguments for capitalism. So yeah, and I mean, Bitcoin's dumb enough where I think you know the market could keep playing with this it was added to the securities markets you know like it was it's you know you could they started for a while you know gold oil bitcoin indices <laughs> like wow it is stupid enough to be real like it has to be stupid in the right way although i wonder if it's too stupid like you're saying with the environmental costs um but i mean again yeah when is capitalism breaks for the for the uh endangered species in the road well, and it's it's just so obvious, you know. I'm not I'm not Michael Roberts. I'm not an economist. I'm just some art school dipshit who read Das Kapital. But even I can see that the whole real estate thing is a huge bubble, and that it's going to be the same shit all over again. But the investment in it just keeps going up, and that's the thing about this tax bill too. Like it's pretty transparent that the only reason that the markets are going up is because capitalists are just going to get a massive you know influx of cash that they'll use to do stock buybacks which is what they always do with these kind of cash influxes and it's none of this is actually going to become reinvested in the economy you know like this is really is we really are living at like the ultimate logical endpoint of like neoliberal ideology where it's just like uh, what we'll have what the government exists to do is to give cash to capitalists in the hopes that they'll do what the government is supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's just we need these things done. The market can do it more efficiently, but we have to give an offering of cash to the market in order to satiate it enough to bestow its blessings upon the polity. Yeah, mm -hmm. we, we need we need to get the hand, the invisible hand, an invisible sacrifice. Yeah, I I don't know where I was going with that. Just just we can't even cut that out because we're all doing this <laughs> raw. Fuck. Yeah, the, yeah. This, we're raw everything it tonight. It's live. This, baby. Is, this is for keep. This is for keeps, right? Yeah, the, this is, this keeps, episode right. is going to be like those porn videos, those amateur porn videos where like the pet comes into like the frame, <laughs> and they just have to <laughs> awkwardly work around the, the, the like cat or dog or whatever. It's going to yeah. be like that. How many it's dogs have, have you heard on this podcast alone? Let me ask. That's true. Yeah, we we don't have pets. My, my roommates do. We we do have about the production values of an amateur porn. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, yeah. they 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 have often some moving music as well. Oh look! <laughs> wow. There we go. Um, almost on cue. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, that's kind of my like year end doom vibes. Plus the tax bill, which is basically again, it's just like such a huge like. Fuck. Well, uh, well, it's huge. Fuck you. But like, one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about with this is that it also this seems like the endpoint where um, Trump has also finally uh, become completely normalized. In that, yeah. you know, this the kind of the kind of evil that like we're getting out of the Trump administration now is just like the banal evil of the Republican Party. It's the good like, old now... GOP. He's, he's finally yeah. doing programmatic shit. He's the meanest fucking. You know, like. Republican uh, shit you can imagine in terms of cutbacks, but then there's also some. We're going to shuffle some tax brackets. You know, if you fall within these parameters, you might be okay. We're going to change some stuff. You don't know what it is. It's it's you, it's going to be beautiful. Y'all going to get. And I mean, this is the kind of thing that they've been cooking up, you know, for years. It's it's like this is like kind of like standard like Republican stuff, but it's it's not like this weird like Steve Bannon like no winking. Winking to 4chan, you know. No, like, you don't need to wink to 4chan to be a racist. That's what the Republican Party has been about for a long time. Yeah. Right, but it, it's always it's always masked through, um, you know, certain like the dog whistles are. It's less Christianity, less, like 
Well, Christianity just, was like a big, I mean, honestly, like this kind of white evangelical or, you know, styled politics like that, that had a, a lot to do with it. Like, of course, there's black Christianity, but the way that Christianity is used in, uh, in on the Republican Party, whereas um, yeah, Trump is, doesn't have to play that up. He does have the Christian right backing him up, but he's not really playing that angle. Right. Well, it's not. I mean, a lot of it is like law and order and the defense of like the regime of property. I mean, the latter they don't phrase as explicitly, but it's kind of well, that and that kind of exists in all bourgeois politics, but especially with like the right. Um, yeah. But but that that's that was kind of different from like Trump's very disruptive. Like I'm gonna do things differently. You know, I'm gonna put America first. Blah blah blah. Where you know, or kind of his sort of vague appeals to you know populism and so on and so forth. But like this just feels like all the stuff that he can do now is basically predictably um, operating with kind of within the parameters set um, across presidential regimes. You know, like the the, the continuities again are stronger than the, the differences, which are mostly of tone. Like this is you know, and people people will you know find things they'll, they'll always find things to point out to go well. See, this would have been, wouldn't have been as bad under Clinton, but I don't know. I'm not really sure that's the case. I might be rambling a little bit here. No, but. No, no. I mean, certain immigration-like policies would have been not qu- quite as draconian, although still draconian, under Clinton. Like, the, you know, but the, the executive has like a lot, a lot of leeway with um, policies like that. On the one hand, on the other hand, you know, I think what you're about to get at, Jake, is that the policies that were already there are already quite terrible. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean Clinton. Clinton would have because you're still going to have even if Clinton had won, you'd still have this Republican-controlled Congress, and she would have cut deals with them. We know she would have cut deals with them, and That's the Democrats. Thing. Yeah, the, the Democrats are more than willing to sacrifice anything le- vaguely leftist, and if you know they still could have, like they still could have pointed to the specter of Trump and been like, "We'll see." You know, he was going to drop leftists out of helicopters. You know, like it's, this isn't as bad as that. Um. But yeah, they, I mean, I think the normalization of Trump has been more less that Trump has become normalized in our consciousness, and more that like he's been normalized by the system. <laughs> well, Trump, Trump, yeah. Trump is just responding to yeah, what's there. Like you have to pivot to the center. You don't have any other choice. Because I remember, like, when he was first elected, like, that was a thing, like, this, I remember, like, John Oliver going, like, we cannot accept this as normal. You have to, he literally just said, you have to constantly remind yourself that this is not normal. And then you have all, like, which, you know, fed into the kind of, like, the Russia hysteria. um, Oh, my God. Right, yeah, all that stuff where it's, like, we got to look for the smoking gun that's going to take him down. It's going to be, it's going to be that have you no decency, sir, moment, and he will be exposed as the bully that he is and the Ewoks will start playing on fu- truck playing the drums on fucking the heads of uh helmets of former stormtroopers and that'll be the end of the movie like yeah that's what that's what people imagine was gonna happen and it's becoming increasingly clear that that's just not the way it's going you know they're basically like harassing this Mueller investigation is basically devoted to like harassing Jill Stein and investigating like every bit of like petty yeah. chicanery you know in trump's div shit circle like it's just it's I, this isn't going to be what people think it is well it's interesting on the one hand because you know liberals have a point will be like look look what they, they dug up recently and you'll find all kinds of grody details of how you know foreign governments try to puppet each other's elections but it's always a lie of a mission because it's always just like well here's one part of the picture of that i mean there's analogs for this in previous elections the u.s does it to other people all the time um yeah but but then you get you get to like um i don't know you just get to that like totalistic way of thinking where you end up targeting jill stein she must be in on it like yeah and jill stein had uh, used the term a neo mccarthyist to describe the uh the way that the russia stuff was being used and i mean in this truly bizarre way i mean it is like structurally anti-communist you know what i mean like oh yeah i mean everything the democrats do is structurally anti-communist i mean right right but i mean this in the discourse way like not in terms of actual structure like the way postone talks about uh structural anti-semitism being like a ideology or something it's all fucked up i I need to read you could actually i think you could actually argue the uh, the anti weird an- the anti Russia sentiment is structurally anti Semitic. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a cogent way of describing it. Yeah, no. it's it's like you need some kind of weird scapegoat agent in order ex- to explain what went wrong exactly. And yeah, that's it usually... just happens to exist through banking and weird business deals. Like they like Rachel Maddow they're like a while back, way back when the Russia thing was just starting to boil over after the election, Rachel Maddow had Didn't this. Do like a chalkboard? Sec- Didn't she do the chalkboard like the unironic uh, chalkboard? I don't know how ironic it is, but if it if it was even if it was done at the slim slimmest bit of irony, it, it melted into post irony and reality became nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just some weird talk about Russian bankers and that sort of thing. And you know, it's the bankers are bad. You know, because they're capitalists, but you, you have to wonder what extent you, you know you could just swap out Russian with Jew, and it would <laughs> just like work out. Well, if, as and, like a cons- anti uh, anti Semitic conspiracy theory. If Lexi, you were implying that like Rachel Maddow was inadvertently or somewhat inadvertently imitating Glenn Beck, we should remember that like MSNBC built its brand by imitating Fox News, but from the left. Like it, yeah. basi- it basically all started when Keith Olbermann was like, you know, there should be an O'Reilly factor, but for Democrats, and the host should be someone who thinks he's Edward R. Murrow. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, like. It's just like so goofy on the one hand. On the other hand, it's like a brilliant, like, you know, it's like a br- brilliant marketing strategy. And the Democrats did need it. Democrats can't, like, they can't, like, win on their own merits. No. Like, they're not impressive. Like, they, their opponents, you know, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes are, you know, like crypto white nationalists and they can't even, like, they can't, like, get out of their own way to do like a little bit of golden age populism. Like it, it wouldn't happen. Like, and I say, get out of their own way. That's being so generous. It's like, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about how duplicitous they are. Like, well, they have, they have like no sense of like uh, gratitude because like, you know, I mean, the whole thing, like uh, Doug Jones or whatever, um, <laughs> who just barely managed to beat a pet, like a pedophile. Yeah. Like, he pat themselves on the back. He did, he did it primarily because of like the votes of black women um, and to a certain extent black men as well. Uh, they turned out huge. I mean, if I was him, I would be showing up to Congress every day in a dashiki and I would have tried to attach reparations as a rioter to literally every bill that came my way. Like anything I could get my hands on. But, but the, I mean, like the Democrats have been doing this to the black community for s- such a long time, you know, right? that that's like... Yeah. There's um the, there's a book by the editor of Current Affairs, I believe. Um, am I thinking the right thing? Current Affairs. Um, it's like it's called Super Predator. It's about the Clinton administration and uh, yeah, and Black America. Um, it's, it's Current Affairs. Working worth looking into. I mean, it's it's if when you think about a, a political machine, what does a political machine look like? That's a that's a study in a political machine. Yeah, yeah. I need to read that. And also, after being elected, he immediately said that we shouldn't pay attention to Trump's sexual scandals. You know, that's horrendous. Being on being on the Lolita Express, possibly fucking fourteen-year-old girls, the multiple accusations against him. We should just ignore that. Uh, to be, I, I don't, I don't want to be like weird conspiracy brain sort of thing, but that 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 sort of like. You know, it's like a red flag thing because Trump, Trump was a Trump was on the list of people who were on the Lolita Express along with Bill Clinton. Now you're gonna have to explain what the Lolita Express is because you used it more than once, and I thought it was just a neologism. No, uh, no, it's a literal, it's a literal plane where of not. I'm forgetting the name of the celebrity. It, isn't, it, isn't it like Jerry Epstein or something like that? Yeah, Jerry Epstein. Jerry Epstein, basically a well-known pedophile. Mm. It was known to be a pedophile throughout like the sort of like political elite for years. Basically fucked kids, mm. uh, fucked 14-year-old prost- 
child sex slaves and prostitutes on stupid plane. And Bill Clinton basically ditched Secret Service multiple times to go on the plane. And he's on a list of people who was on the plane along with Bill Clinton, Kevin Spacey, who was also on the list, apparently. Really? Wow. And, and Donald Trump. It's, there's, it's like a pretty long list, but it's just like... You know, I'm starting to actually understand, like, why Hillary Clinton was like that. Like, having Bill Clinton for a husband. Like, just all the crazy shit he got into that just completely, like, jeopardized everything for them all the time. Yeah. yeah. That just makes me understand drinking. <laughs> that's what it makes yeah. me understand. I just, just want to hide from the world. Well, the thing is, the thing is, with, like, in order to actually, like, bring Trump down, though, you would have to, he'd have to have some kind of sense of shame, which he clearly doesn't. Um, yeah, because that's how. But I mean, if it, if it came out that he like really fucked kids, there's a video of him fucking a kid. Like that would be over. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I he's Teflon, but I really do think that that there are some things that would take him down. What it though? I mean, I mean, if there was a video. Yeah. If there was that's a video. I'm hard hard limit case. I think if there was a video of Trump, look, this is, I have faith. Okay, I have faith in people. I no, think I could, honestly, I could literally. I could picture. I could picture President Trump on the defense stand, like, no, listen, they got CGI now. They can do that in the computers. That's not real. I mean, That's not real. It, it, the video, the video, it was edited in Microsoft Paint. I swear, I swear. I, Microsoft 3D Paint. Paint. I, I never let anybody, I, ne- I never let anybody film me. I don't do home movies. That's not my thing. Jake, I'm not saying he wouldn't say that. I'm just saying I think people would would cease to buy it at that point. I don't know. I, I hear I hear I hear what you're saying. Think about saying. think about this. Like if if you're just a complete loser who's like failed at everything, um, okay. and you have a chance to like trigger the libs like this hard and back somebody who is that obviously guilty. <laughs> I mean, just like the sheer level of like resentment would just be, you know, it'd be like literally ejaculatory. I mean, mm. I, I, I know because he would, there are a bunch of people that like enjoy that stuff on a visceral level, but couldn't deal with it if it was in their conscious mind. And I, and that would be too. I think that like that would be too much for them. Not necessarily those I, I like, super know. nihilist jerk offs. I mean, like, I I think a good portion of the uh, slash pull probably actually looks at child porn, and I I know most of them are into Lolly Khan, unironically. So yeah, I I think they would support this. You know, uh, Grover Cleveland was the first fat positive president. Um, <laughs> What? <laughs> Barack Obama, first black president, and Donald Trump, the first pedophile president. You know, I could always already see the memes about that. I mean, the first openly. Openly. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, we should. I want to steer away from this because I feel like we're getting too deep into like David Icke country here. But yeah, um, I mean, I, I, everything about my being wants to like look this up, but I don't want to type any of this in my browser. I mean, because yeah. it's really. The, this does sound like something Alex Jones would be screaming about. Well, the yeah. article that I'm looking at right now about it is from Zero Hedge, and they're they're always the best source. Every article is written by uh, Tyler Durden, the most reliable of authors. Yeah, the most trusted name in news, Tyler Durden. Yeah. Yeah, real names and yeah. yeah. And they have such beautiful art articles about global cooling and Bitcoin. Okay, so uh, is it safe to say that this is made up? Uh, well, no. There was like one legitimate article that basically talked about like Bill Clinton ditching Secret Service from like the Washington, uh, the Washington Times, the Washington Times, which is a legit legitimate newspaper. It's a conservative one, but it's a legitimate one, and um. Yeah, it talked about like Bill Clinton being on the list, on like a list of people who was on the Lolita Express. And it talked about him ditching Secret Service to get rides on it, that sort of thing. So it's slightly more legitimate than Zero Hedge. 
I guess, or InfoWars. InfoWars doesn't really cover it that much anymore because they probably realize it also infects Trump. They yeah. Did, like one article on it. Yeah, there could there could be some blowback on that, but I mean, it really, honestly, everything. It, I think maybe the best way to think about it, but also kind of the most terrifying way to think about like this moment. We really, I, re- I, people said this before. I, I like to believe it, but I really am firmly convinced that we are in like the twilight of the American Empire. Like, I think this is it, um, which is a good, which could be a good thing, but if it also leads to like massive inner imperialist war, it could potentially destroy everything. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, geez, I I don't think we can underestimate. I mean, I say that, but I'm gonna end, stop the qualification. The climate's a big deal, and um, that's the apocalypse we can count on. Um, all all this other stuff requires people to um, get to the point of pushing the big red button or whatever. Like, we don't need. We just have to like kind of do nothing or just kind of chill where we're at on Zan, and just like ride into the uh the apocalypse if you know we keep things the way they are like i mean jake jake this could just be the death of the republic we could be an empire you know oh like oh yeah you're, you're right yeah i mean like pe- people shit on pop history but i think there's you know i don't know i was like um mike duncan from the revolutions podcast his uh new book is called the storm before the storm and it's it's an, an attempt to answer the question that most people would ask him, being like, hey, so if America is like Rome, right, what part of Rome are we at right now? <laughs> and um, and so, you know, it's the part before, like, before the rise of, of dictators, the, the, like the stalemate, basically, that hmm. led people to crave... Uh, an authoritarian like kind of executive that would get something done uh, a, hmm. a kind of vicious circle where all these you know legislators the legislators don't want people don't want their peers to get a following for fear that they would get an advantage over them so everyone is undercutting everyone all the time politics has even more less loyalty than normal and like yeah it's it's I don't know. I don't think this is total crank, reactionary, popular, like, you know, vulgarization. Like, I think there's, I think history rhymes and, like, this is, you know, this does bear a resemblance to its, like, its model in decline. The thing is, I think what throws a monkey wrench into all this, though, is, like, the rapid rate of, like, technological development. It's possible that we're like I, I I'm skeptical of all kind of you know theories of de- decline, including like a an including the ecological one. I think there's probably some way that this fucked up new world will just be reintegrated and become part of a revitalizing circuit of tragedy and death, like capitalism does with everything. Mm-hmm. But like, but you know, there I don't know. There is a possibility that something drastic could change and technology is real wild card <laughs> like yeah that is kind of like the big x factor in anything um because like the rate at which it changes is so has become so rapid and so enormous i mean i feel like i feel like because it seems like there used to be with like movies like it was kind of like a little bit harder to tell when something was made so they tried to make something that was kind of like vague and general in terms of its time setting, but now like everything is so hyper specific, you can't do that. Mm. Which I, which I think is actually the reason why there's like this growing obsession with like um, parallel worlds or whatever, because so often like the world itself in a particular movie will be, you know, it'll be like we understand like the world is the result of like the a different like configuration of circumstances and so you know these worlds they'll be under under like a certain configuration of circumstances where it seemed like before like in a lot of popular entertainment like everything was presumed to take place in our world if that makes sense yeah um and so because because of this increasing like change in technology in the way it like it affects our lives um in a really concrete way like we sort of see how how a rapid change in the configuration of circumstances changes the kind of world that we live in. Yeah. I mean, if I had to like guess upon the decline of the United States, which 
you know, I sort of automatically believe because I'm of just a moon bat, really. I, the, the, I, I, pessimistic I, disposition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I automatically have an incredibly pessimistic disposition, but I, you know, I could talk about like a long decline of the United States that has like the working class, sort of this industrial working class, as like the foundational base of what made demo- social democracy or this sort of golden age period of America work out, I guess, golden age in quotes, I'm just using it on a purely economic basis, where like, we had like a high standard of living for most people, mostly white people still, but you know, you know what I mean. Uh Uh, But, but basically, you look at, you would have to think of the, the decline of the United States in terms of like the decline of America's working class, specifically its industrial working class, because its industrial working class, having like that sort of stability that came with that, uh, that was achieved in like the suburban lifestyle, the nuclear family and that sort of thing revolved around them having like a steady job that could pay well. And, you know, having that, having the power of having that sort of power at the point of production in order to like keep the capitalists in that sort of compromising mode wanting to keep them you know like satisfied and they begin to lose that through like a combination of increasing automation of production and a neoliberal assault on like unions and that sort of thing. And that led to decline in union numbers, uh, along with just sort of like failures on the part of unions to really make any gains for their members. It was just like a long list of things, but this led to the decline of the American working class. And you see it, you see it now most prominently in the United States with like this sort of rust belt area and the opioid ap- epidemic. And a lot of people like to think of the opioid epidemic as simply affecting white people, like white working class people. And it is, it is, but it's also affecting black people to a large extent, a large extent too. So you have like this, post-industrial wasteland that has been created and it keeps on growing and well yeah but the ruling class itself is doing better than ever like the amount of like the wealth disparity is becoming you know yeah so extreme like relative to what it was before and the, the amount of like the amount of wealth accumulated is uh it's, it's pretty it's pretty staggering when you think about yeah. it and the fact that you know, the entire like financial crisis, the cost for it was basically born upon like the middle class and, you know, homeowners and uh, the banks basically walked away from this with like higher yeah. profit margins than ever. Yeah. Basically, they're all keeping it afloat with f- sort of credit based fake bullshit. Like it's financial mag- magic bullshit that's keeping the economy afloat. The long term economic trends of like, Increasing unemployment and job uninsat unlivable jobs is like undermining is undermining the stability of the United States economy in long term. So we've been doing this podcast for almost a year now. Uh, what have we learned? What have we learned what over the course of twenty seventeen? Uh, let's see. I I've I've learned really. Um, what I've learned from the <laughs> podcast is that you know I um we're we're not very coherent in terms of like subject matter, and we've gotten a lot of complaints from people about that like oh you just you guys go on tangents a lot and you're not very coherent and you don't explain the terminology very well and this shit like that 
we we got that from a very very special fan who slipped into the Discord. <laughs> Not gonna name names. He they know who they are. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're we're incredibly bad podcast. <laughs> um, on the contrary, I believe this is good pod. I think it's good stuff. If if you are like left book burnout, like literate like we are what what else are you going to listen to you've worked yourself yeah. into a theory rabbit hole you hit you're looking for some kind of hopeful theory of change instead you hit this thunking nihilism where you know you realize that shit even people in the 90s were reading reactionaries to try to get like a new point of view because it seemed like shit is tanked like this is a this is like a, a an earworm. It's like a negative meme. You kind of can't really lose that sense of like, hmm. I still kind of think communism should happen, and not that I want to be a utopian. What what is there in the world that's struggling with this question? Show me a better podcast that's doing that. And you know what? I don't want to compete with them. I want to talk to them. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. So if somebody. If someone else is doing that, like we don't have to do it. Let them do it. I mean, there's like probably like ten like there's a whole bunch of left book burnouts. They're like all in aftermath. They're all in one shitty Ross's little Facebook group and they don't like us because we're new we're too McNearian or whatever. I, I don't even I can't even really associate myself with that term with neo cal or whatever the fuck term that they want to give me at this point i i i don't know i mean the the thing that really hurts about the age that we live in is that communism is more possible now than ever in terms of like society like we mm-hmm. have the technology that basically... we can rebuild it we have the technology oh yeah faster yeah, we... younger better yeah, we have the technology where the whole calculation problem is like a non is like a non argument at this point. Like, yeah, okay. Even if this problem really existed, but, which but was we, we, question, we can't collect enough information. We'll never be able to collect enough information. The market's yeah. the best at that. There's, we could never imagine another way of collecting information. <laughs> we, we literally have c- computers that do like billions of calculations in just like seconds it's like the calculation problem is pointless we have like a heavy amount of automation that makes communism even better just like the amount of hours that we can just reduce the amount of work that we can just like reduce is just like amazing with automation the amount of automation and production that we can do and that sort of thing it, it just makes this would be the best time for a communist society to exist, and we basically sort of need it because the environment's going to shit. But the, the possibility of having a revolution is probably at its lowest point in human history. It's like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe when there's been like a generation of people who like point to this problem and say look a classless society is like the only practical solution to this that maybe ones when they they're not defending crazy mass murder or something and you know (laughs) and maybe when there's some kind of social forms that are associative that make communist politics not seem like such a long shot you know i think between those things it's feasible that those things come about I mean, ceteris paribus, things going according to the current trends they're at. Yes, it looks like everyone will just get more and more fractured and, and then, you know, until people won't even talk to themselves and blah, 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 blah. But, like, uh, that's sort of the problem with inductive reasoning. We really don't know what's going to change. Yeah, we. Yeah, I mean, the proletariat doesn't even really exist in the Marxian sense anymore. Like, nah, to atomize. Uh, uh, well, like, I mean, what do you mean? What, like, it's, uh, you it's mean the Mar- defined, you mean like the Leninist, like party, like proletariat sense? Well, like as a self organized body, like it doesn't really exist. Yes, the it's working like a class, class for itself. 
it doesn't exist yeah, a it, class. It, yeah in like the board it doesn't exist in like the bordigas sense yeah it, well in a leninist sense it, if it's not organized for itself even in like trade union consciousness i i don't think we can really say even the proletariat exists i, I mean, think it, it would be better to describe it as like surplus population I mean, because, the, I mean, I disagree. Yeah. I what mean, is, what I does think, exist mean? You know, <laughs> like, well, I mean, honestly, it depends. It depends because there are there are kind of two sides to the definition of proletariat within Marxism. There's the political definition, and there's like the definition of it as an economic category. And as an economic category, it's just the group of people who don't have enough reserves to, um, they basically don't have, have reserves to live um, independent of having a stable wage income basically i mean the value like the value of the category seems obvious to me because because of the whole marxist argument about the class interest of the proletariat ha being in communism like that that whole like economic argument i think is essential but yeah it is clearly a problem that pe pe people may have this issue in that structural way and cannot assert that issue as there being their reason for okay we're gonna do political action because of our class interests guys for some reason that is blocked um like that's that's the issue i don't think you have to lose the um well i mean if 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 your analysis is going to be completely implied by the forms of consciousness that are arising right now then obviously yeah this is going to be a non-starter but I think there's value in maintaining like a some kind of you know Marxist science of some kind. Like what deserves to uh, survive like scientific scrutiny. Like it, you know, like there there are real parts of Marxist uh, sociology, economics, uh, historiography. Like I, I'm that. not saying those things aren't useful. I I I consider myself a Marxist. I consider myself a historical materialist, and that's why I believe we're fucked. Basically, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's it's Marxism that has, at least my sort of version of Marxism. Basically, everyone when talks about Marxism, it's different for them. Almost, it, it, it's it's annoyingly different. Like you, you get some yeah. quote unquote Marxists who have like a high economistic version of Marxism. I guess like that would be what Donald calls it, or Lenin, or whatever. And it's driven by productive forces and that sort of thing. And that usually leads to like impossibilism or accelerationism whatever and then you have like the sort of class more class struggle based and you know it's like it it tends to go in like a malice direction or at worst at its worst Sorelian direction and you know the whole point of the marxist center has been you know just trying to find something that is not highly economic deterministic or deterministic or just, just this sort of weird Sorelian myth-based cultural revolution sort of like bullshit like that's basically like against like those two ultra-left tendencies and like social democracy that's the whole point of the Marxist center and it, you know, it, I I I think there's not much left to, not much left to do but to slide into like sort of ultra leftism or social democracy at this point for us. I don't know. I would, I would say like what what I've learned over the course of the year. Um, maybe it's not something I've learned, but it's more something I've been reminded. Um, is that history is a real thing. <laughs> you know what I mean, and yeah. that it has like it has real consequences, and it's kind of fucking scary. Um, and it is, I know there's that old like um, Chinese curse uh, where it's like, "May you live in interesting times," right? And I think we certainly are in increasingly interesting times, and it's not nearly as uh, as fun as you might think it would be. <laughs> um, no, I think. 
and I think I think well we certainly I certainly we certainly have like a set of analytical tools that give us I think a better read on the situation overall and we're able to see potentialities or lack thereof maybe more clearly than others uh we still have no idea what the fuck is going to happen and you know that's especially there's just we said it a little bit earlier on this episode there's so many wild cards and variables here i mean donald trump is fucking president you know what i mean (laughs) how do we get here like there's so many there's so many wild cards and so many variables and so many accidents and so many directions that this thing could go that i really do think like the future is unwritten and you know what it's going to turn into you know your guess is as good as anybody else's (laughs) um yeah, and it's sort of a truism, or it can be a platitude, but I think it is really important that people. Well, I mean, I say this, I wait till I take this advice, but you know, try not to just be totally depressed out of doing something that seems empirically in your situation like it might be effective. If it seems dumb or it's like it's not going to work, then don't do it, obviously. But you know, like sometimes opportunities emerge and so. At times, I imagine that the emergent, like, ultra-left nihilism will short-circuit people from doing stuff that might be effective sometimes. I think that probably happens. Like, I, is that is that too conservative a claim? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like, I, I think that, you know, it, it's really justified <laughs> a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it has emergent effects and having a whole culture of defeatism like the left basically has been since the 90s. Like the thing is, is that the 90s already happened. Like like yeah. there's kids that grew up with, you know, like Doug Lane as their dad or something. And it's like, <laughs> all, all right, all right. So this, you know, kind of bong rip nihilism, post-Marxism doesn't really go anywhere. You know, what what should we do? What's like our the next generation of people? What What are they supposed to do? Like, what, what, like, how do we, how do we just get out of like, um, smarmy post leftism that's like, you know, clearly kind of in, in bad faith? And yeah, and every generation has to call bullshit on what came before them if they're going to make their mark. And if the left can't really do that, um, which I mean, yeah, I don't know. The, the, The concept of the political left even is so like permeable, you know? I mean, that's, yeah. That's the value of history, and that's the value of um, trying to have like some kind of like high standards of analysis, because otherwise you really are just in the '90s, and it's just like that weird like bong gnosticism where it's like, man, if you think about it, like we could be in a simulation right now, you know? You ever hear a guy? There's, there's, a, there's a guy at like Oxford that teaches that and is famous for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to move past that. I, I, I moved to the Marxist center in terms of politics because, you know, fucking ultra leftism, the ultra left is just annoying. It, it's painful. I, 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 I hate most of the people on ultra book. I hate them. I hate them with a passion. I hate the worldview, you know, yeah. is, is like, okay, you can be edgy. That's nice for a while. But then you realize, hey, we're not really doing much here other than shitting on what other people do. And, you know, actual act, the actual ultra left, like Italians, they, the, the ICP, whatever, they, they actually at least join unions and shit. What are we doing? Oh, fucking, oh, great, we can read endnotes, and, oh, Ross, (laughs) Ross posted something on fucking his stupid blog, great. I I love this. (laughs) And, I don't know, like, but, so, how do we do this, fam? How do we, because when you say, fucking do something, I'm like, on the one hand, I agree. On the other hand, have you ever seen that great moments in leftism where, where there's like the pilgrim? It's like, hey, it's right. like I don't, I don't think whipping ourselves is going to stop the plague. And then the other person's like, you know, what are you fuck, like, what are you fucking doing? You know, like, I mean, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think, like, I think, I think the best thing. I mean, honestly, what you want to do is look for opportunities to spread class consciousness. You know, 
So is what we need to do some kind of like nihilist social democracy because we can't even be like centrist? Like, is, is that what you're like? Because I think <laughs> like what what else can we do here? Like, <laughs> well, I think um, one thing I do think that there does need to be because, you, you know, the, the IWW has this idea that you can kind of almost do like Trotskyism. Um, at the point of production, in, in other words, that you can basically kind of like trick the workers into becoming like communists or whatever. Where it's like we agitate them, and then you educate them, and then you ask them these leading questions that get them to question the exploitative nature that of the society that they exist in, or at least of their particular job, right? Right. Um, but I don't think that that would actually really be the way to build. I, I think maybe that's necessary, but not sufficient. Like I do think you would need. Um, like some kind of political party as an active force in society for that to be kind of to fall within normal people's like constellation of ideas. Yeah. Even if they don't agree with it. Right. It's something that they've encountered that they've heard of, and maybe they haven't fully considered that perspective yet, but it's there, you know, I mean, and, and I think really only a political party or something like it could, could put it into that position in society where, you know, once workers, which might actually induce workers to be willing to struggle at the point of production because they have something they can point to outside of their own immediate existence as a way to potentially change it. I mean, there's less people, less workers at the point of production now, and it keeps on decreasing over time. That's well, I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean like workers literally in factories. I mean, people just at any sort of work. Yeah, the proletariat. We should refer – well, I guess like the proletariat is something that we would want to create. Like at this point, I don't see much connection between like the surplus mass and the working every, class. Every, everybody has to work for a living though. Yeah, I, th I think if you were to try to do like a new kind of working class consciousness under the concept of work, you would be looking to dignify all – all kinds of like reproductive labor and society as work. So that a lot of people that may not even think of themselves as workers are considering themselves workers. Like, and I mean, I think, I don't know, there's a sort of capitalist tendency even to disguise reproductive labor, but also to give it a price. Um, and yeah, like I, I understand why people who are, even into sort of like post-work politics will may default to workers if they're trying to do class politics. Um, I mean, like is, you know, is, is someone like hustling on the corner or something to try, try to get food, regardless of like what it is, it like black box. Okay. Like mm -hmm. be real bourgeois and neoclassical about it. Like, you know, that's, that's um, completely lost my train of thought. We're not incoherent. Did someone say we're incoherent? We're not incoherent. I mean, I, I think, I think we would have to like treat, treat, uh, what is called the what we could call the proletariat differently from the proletariat in the 20th century. I think we should generally try to appeal to them on a more, maybe utopian basis, like, what what they're dealing with right now is like heavy atomization and generally anti-social and anti-political and tendencies and you know offering them a utopia offering them some kind of utopia in which they they're free from those sort of pain that sort of pain and suffering you know so, so we basically need to create a communist version of the venus project <laughs> maybe i mean <laughs> so you, you know what i Honestly, it's more constructive to go with that, to give them, like, an idea of communism, because at this point, what most people think of communism or social—when they think of communism, they think of North Korea, they think of the Soviet Union, they think of China, and, you know, those places are not particularly nice. It's industrial—at uh, best, you get, like, the industrialization process that— just butch unintentionally butchered like large amounts of people uh, during like you know the great leap forward and the five year plans and shit like that um, at worst you get north korea or china you know Ch china as it currently exists 
Neither of those is great. You don't want any of those. And then you have socialism, and socialism at best is Sweden, and at worst it's just what people think of already think of communism. So you want to give them an idea of what communism or I maybe we shouldn't even use the term communism, social democracy, whatever, called, whatever called, name we can apply. Called the, the Venus Project, the classless society. That's what yeah. I like. Yeah, you just you just you give them a, a palatable vision. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a hundred percent accurate because you know it can't be a hundred percent accurate. But it's a palpable vision that's plausible, and it gives them something to actually latch on to, and it it allow taps into their feelings of alienation and pain that they're dealing with right now, and it gives them something to look forward to and struggle for. Maybe that's utopian, and maybe that's well, not. I mean, it's literally utopian, but it is it is utopian, I guess. I'm utopian, but it taps into real class sentiment at least. I mean, it, unlike the utopians of the past, I guess. The thing, the thing that I tend to emphasize when thinking about utopian versus scientific socialism, the final battle, is that the the old school Marxists had, oh goddamn, this place is crawling with these. You know, do-gooder utopian socialists, but you know, putting plans for their classless utopias everywhere. Oh, everyone's thinking about classless utopias all the time. Like, we just, we just, we don't really have that problem. So, reading the Marxists, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, fuck those utopians. Yeah, like everyone knows we can get socialism by some like strong-ass science and material means. Um, you know, we we just live in very different change change landscape. But uh, to talk to what Russia I mean, it would still, it would yeah. still be scientific, though. It would still be rationally planned. It would still be scientific. It would still be based in some kind of class struggle. Well, what would exactly though, be? I sure. Feel like, I feel like that the trajectory of technology has gotten so weird that I feel like it actually can because like the, you can maybe do it in like the 20th century because like you can have like the flying cars and shit like that and the Epcot future, but now it's like. You know, how we talk about, like, gene manipulation and, you know, as uh, Nick Land put it, face tentacles and, uh, you know, uh, fucking uh, microtechnologies and AI and, you know, I mean, like, the, well, the actual future of humanity is going to be pretty fucking freaky, you know? I mean, I mean there I feel won't like... really be a humanity. Yeah, I mean, I guess not. What, really? I mean, I mean, I guess... Like, I'm sorry it doesn't live up to anyone's standard of humanity, but that is what it is. Like, <laughs> like that's... I mean, I guess, that, I guess that, it depends that, on how far, out, how far out you go. It is us and I mean, eventually, not... eventually, like, human beings will, like, evolve beyond, like, our physical forms if, like, the technology goes far enough. I mean, human consciousness will, like, transcend, like... Yeah, hopefully like, we'll get communism before then, and we'll have a society have like a post-human future that's not determined by like the market or anything like that or class systems because if it's determined by that rather than you know like sort of post-human respect for diversity and free from the sort of like uh the fucking what's the name of it the fucking frankfurt school name instrumental reason of capitalism mm. If it can be like freed from the instrumental reason of capitalism and the desire to modify our bodies is mostly driven by aesthetics rather than some desire to compete with each other, hmm. then I think we could have like a post-human future that's communist, you know, and it could but be I'm, like I'm, sort of that is, that, is pretty, that is pretty beautiful. I'm not gonna lie. I guess, but, but I guess, like, the problematics of trying to develop, like, a utopia, like, you would just kind of need to be, like, you know, in the future, like, stuff will be free, man, and, you know, you can smoke all the weed you want, and, you know, all, all intellectual property would be free, so you can watch, you can watch, you didn't, wouldn't need Netflix, you could, everything would, like, be, you could stream anything, you know, like, I, I guess you could do that. I mean, I, so, I, I like to emphasize that, you know, capitalism has done this for us, and all we need to do is... You know, do entryism into Star Trek conventions. We we already have our <laughs> utopians. People, some of the yeah. only people looking for like 
someone people that may have actually like signed up for a military style discipline program if it meant trying to explore the galaxy and save the world and do all kinds of shit like in, yeah. instead of what it's really for like if they could go and roll in the you know social democratic space stalinist utopia like they would you know like a lot of trekkies yeah. they want I will say this, to be able though, to enlist in that service like <laughs> they, they, I wish I wish they'd do a Star Trek show about like the guy who's like mopping up, like on the on the, on the ship. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to see the yeah. ship from the perspective of like the guy low man on the totem pole, and then we'll see how fucking utopian that society is. Yeah. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking, comrades. Surely Jake has seen Measure of a Man. Uh, from season two, episode nine of Star Trek Next Generation, where they go over rights for robots and stuff like that, right? No, you weren't thinking that? You are thinking about how depressing the world is? Wow. Right there with you, champ. Happy holidays from all of us at Swampside. And as the old saying goes, keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow. <laughs>